0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
1: It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show where our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Today, I have not one, but two special warnings for you. The first deals with Medicare, And something that has been so confusing to people when they are approaching the age of Medicare eligibility, 65. And I also want to talk about an alarming trend in mortgages. I want to give you a pretty simple rule to follow on that. And before I launch into talking about Medicare, I wanted to mention to anyone who is an AT&T wireless subscriber... AT&T in an unprecedented move is busting the rate plans of people who've been with AT&T a long time and pushing through increases from somewhat marginal to a lot of people around 15% increase in your monthly cell phone bill. Now, this is something that AT&T feels that people have become such creatures of habit that they stay with whoever they're with for cell phone service. And they can push through these big increases. And what's unprecedented is historically with the big cell phone carriers, when you're in a rate plan, you're basically grandfathered into it. That Whatever you signed up for, you keep that price moving forward. But AT&T, there's nothing in the contract that prevents them from breaking that tradition, So, or terms of service, actually. So now AT&T is pushing through these increases from modest to very large so are you going to sit there and take it from at&t are you going to be that person with inertia that creature of habit well it's your choice because you're a sitting duck to have to pay more money at a time that inflation is robbing from our spending power this is a time you should re-shop your cell phone service before the at&t price increases go in generally for most people, in the month of June. Not every AT&T customer is going to see the new higher rates, but many people will, don't know how many millions. So you don't want to be someone who just says, okay, come take more money from me. No, you may find out that there are much better, cheaper plans available elsewhere or even from AT&T, but this is the time that you shop as a free agent. I've got a shopping guide at Clark.com where we talk also about a lot of companies you may not have heard of, several of which are actually owned by the three major cell phone players. So there's a lot of opportunity out there for you to use this as a way to save money instead of having AT&T take more from you. Now let's talk about something that if you have parents approaching age 65, or you yourself or the person approaching age 65, I want you to have a heads up warning. When you are generally about four months out from turning 65, you will have a blizzard of traditional mail show up. I mean, like in the mailbox from what are known as advantage plans, which are generally a disadvantage plan for you. Traditional Medicare allows you to seek care where you wish for the conditions that you might have. But if you go into a Medicare Advantage plan, as a new federal report finds, repeatedly people are denied care and it's costing people their lives and their health. Uh, Medicare Advantage plans were dreamt up as a way to reduce government spending on health care on the elderly. But it's had a double effect because the big insurance companies that, that push these Medicare Advantage plans so hard and the commission salespeople who make a lot of money for getting initial enrollments of people at age 65 into these Advantage plans, everybody's pushing you into them. Because the insurance companies are making a ton on these advantage plans. And how are they making a ton? From denial of care. That's the whole game, is that that as somebody gets older, we got more things wrong with us, we spend more time uh, dealing with conditions, chronic and otherwise, and if you can delay, 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 deny, as an insurer, you're not spending that money. So you lose the freedom you have with traditional Medicare. Traditional Medicare is complicated because you have Part A, you have Part B, you have supplements, you have Part D, and you're going to have to pay all these premiums for B, your supplement, and D. And so people are like, hey, this Advantage plan looks great. I don't have to pay any monthly premiums in many cases. And supposedly, I'm taken care of every possible way. What could go wrong? Well, the people who should go in an Advantage plan are people who cannot afford to pay the premiums because you're on a tight, 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 tight budget, and you have to accept the choice of less choice in your health care, and denial of care is part of what you get. And that's who should consider these disadvantaged plans, known as advantage plans. On the other hand, if you can afford the premiums for Part B and Part D and to buy your Medigap, and you'll be paying money every month for that, and then you have true, comprehensive, real medical coverage as you age through your 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond, If you can afford to pay those premiums, go in traditional Medicare. Do not, do not, do not fall for the propaganda of the disadvantage plans. Remember that word. Every time you see one of those bright, colorful mailers that show up in your mailbox that say advantage, remember to put D-I-S in front of it in your mind so that you don't get swindled By the insurers that don't care about your health, don't care about your life, and just want your money.
0: Krista? Okay, this question is from Terry in Wisconsin. My 86-year-old mother received a phone call from someone claiming to work for Medicare. She gave out her Medicare number, name, height, weight, Social Security number, etc. What do we do to protect her? Does purchasing identity theft protection help after the fact?
1: So, Terry, I'm really, really sorry that your mom fell for a very common and sophisticated, what's known as pretexting scam, where what the criminal was after is nominally the Medicare number, which is a Medicare for almost everybody now has converted from being your social security number to a unique medical record number. So, your Medicare number used to be the same as your social. The real weakness here is that your mom gave her social security number. So identity theft protection is not really valuable. What you do want to do is you want to do a process called freezing her credit with all three major credit bureaus. And what that does is that prevents someone from using the information they got from your mom to impersonate her and apply for credit as if they are her. If they do file a tax return as if they're her and put false information to try to get a big refund, uh, credit freeze isn't going to help with that. I mean, you can't prevent every possible wrinkle or element of what someone might do with that stolen information. You could also have somebody who tries to get medical care pretending to be your mom. But the most common thing they use with that information is obtaining credit or buying cars or something like that is if they're your mom and that's why credit freeze is core and key go to clark.com credit freeze the process is really easy for you to set up for your mom takes about used to take about 15 minutes now it's generally a little quicker to set up credit freezes with all three bureaus does not affect any credit your mom has just prevents a criminal from applying for credit is if they're her new credit is if they're her. And I'm really sorry that this happened to her.
0: This is from Sharon in California. My dad is in an assisted living facility and it's costing him over $5,000 a month. He only has about $60,000 liquid left and he owns a condo. I'm trying to protect the condo and would like to get it into my name so he can't be forced to sell it or it be taken. He has Medicare right now, but it's not paying for his living facility. I'm lost within the Medicare process, let alone Medi-Cal if that's an option. I have no idea how to transfer his condo or if that's even possible. I'm not in a financial position to buy it. I'm desperate for advice.
1: Sharon, I'm really, really sorry that you're in this bind. So the state of California, through the California version of Medicaid, When your dad no longer has any assets, will provide for the cost of care in an assisted living facility, a nursing home type facility, the one that your dad's in may not take the California equivalent of Medicaid, and he may have to have another care facility. To the issue you asked about the condo, there are specific clawback laws that prevent you from Having the property transferred to you, the condo transferred to you, to keep it from ending up essentially the value of it a possession of the state of California. So, what you want to do to find out what your rights are and if there is any way to protect this as a potential inheritance for you is to go see a specialized kind of lawyer called an elder law attorney. Elder law attorneys are all over the state of California. And you'll be able to find one if you search just under that term, elder law, and where you live in California, you'll find several that you could talk to, find out what it costs to come see them, and find out if there is a potential way for you to protect this condo asset, or if, in fact, in order for your dad to get the care he needs with the state paying. That, that condo will ultimately, the value of it, will go to the state. So uh, there's usually in most states a five-year look-back period where assets have to be transferred to a, a future generation five years before the need for state assistance for assisted living or nursing home. And this is why you go to a lawyer who specializes in this area.
0: And what about a geriatric social worker?
1: That's not going to help in this case. Geriatric social worker is much more about proper placement, you know, the right facility for someone. Which
0: could be the case if Medicare maybe they need to Right.
1: But the she's really concerned about the The condo. And that's gotta be an elder law attorney. Not any Mm -hmm. lawyer at all. There's a very specialized, nuanced area of the law, and that's why it has to be an elder law attorney.
0: Okay, this is from Paige in Pennsylvania. I'm 24 years old and I live in Philadelphia. I have two rescue dogs that I love dearly. Their expenses add up, especially their vet visits. I wanted to see what your stance is on pet insurance. It's offered both through my work and my fiance's. It comes to about $40 a paycheck. My average vet bill lately is about $200 to $300 a trip. I currently use Care Credit, which is great for paying vet bills over time and it's interest-free. Thank you in advance.
1: So, Paige, I mean, when you use uh, care credit, all you have is it's like a, uh, a loan installment loan or a revolving credit to pay the bills that are mounting up. So pet insurance is not automatically bad or automatically good. A lot depends on the definitions and the policy. And if you go to the third party vendor that supplies it through your place of work you can see the coverage limits and the the coverages available under the plan there are a lot of things that are breed specific there are also coverages and then restrictions based on the age of the pets so if you read through what the employer's offering you'll be able to see if with the two rescues you have are you going to have coverage that will actually pay bills for you, or will you be subject to exclusions because of specific circumstances in the contract language for the pet insurance or not? So this is not one that is a red light, green light kind of purchase. This is more like a flashing yellow light that you don't want to give up $40 every paycheck if when you go to the vet, you're the specific Event will not be covered because of the exclusions in the pet policy. In addition, the vet you go to, you can ask the vet because they usually are familiar with which uh, pet insurance policies their customers have the best results with and which ones are the worst. And you may find that, other than the um, one offered through your employer, there may be one that would be much better to own that you would just buy on your own because employers usually are not subsidizing things like the purchase of pet insurance. They're just offering it as a payroll deduction. So coming up next, I want to talk about something mortgage shoppers have been doing a lot lately, and it's called taking out an ARM instead of a traditional mortgage. And I want to tell you when that could be too hot to handle if you're trying to use it as a way to make your home more affordable housing affordability has basically fallen off a cliff with the big run-up in home prices of late and mortgages and there was a very interesting phenomenon unless you were in the market to buy a home that occurred recently as all the media coverage was out there about mortgage rates going up, up, and up from the extremely low rates they'd been, home prices spiked for about a six-week period. I mean, just really, really escalated. Because what happened was people were locking in as quick as they can into mortgage rates, and they were willing to pay more for homes like a land rush kind of thing. And so it temporarily boosted home prices even more than they would have otherwise because of what was going on with mortgages. Well, now mortgage rates seem to have settled just for now because these rates change on a dime. But right now we're looking at rates that are like five and a quarter, somewhere in there. And I think back historically, that if you had told somebody, yeah, there are mortgages in the fives, people would have freaked out, excited, but everything's about what recent history has been. And mortgage rates have been pretty much the lowest in history. Uh, we shared recently on the podcast that Krista and her husband have a fixed rate at 1. What?
0: 1.875%. 1.875. 15-year, yeah.
1: Pretty great deal. And I mean... Having a mortgage fixed rate with the first digit being a one, unbelievable way rearview mirror so many people in 2% loans, 3% loans. We flew through 4% recently, now in the fives. I mean, this is a whole different market. And so what people are doing, trying to stretch to get into a home right now with affordability being so tough, is people in huge numbers are going into floating rate loans called ARMS, adjustable rate mortgages, with various forms of ARMS, the most common being where you fix the rate for five years, and then after that, the rate resets every single year. So right now, about one in six mortgage dollars being taken out in the United States are on adjustables. And so that is a ticking time bomb because we've had this massive run up in home prices. And as I've shared with you again and again and again, we are not going to see a collapse in home prices in the United States, barring um, a huge world war or something like that, like the kind of things that you can't really calculate risk. We don't have any circumstance where we're going to have home prices crater in the United States like happened 15 years ago. But home prices being sluggish for years to come, that could certainly happen because we've outrun people's ability to afford them. A lot of people take out arms or interest only. They're paying no principal at all. And if you go into one with a really small down payment, it's like dynamite because you can get down the road, and you're five years in, and you need to refi because the arm coming where it resets every year is going to be bad, ugly, and you can't because you've been paying interest only, and you have no equity built up because home values stayed sluggish for those first five years of home ownership. Now, am I certain that home values are going to get sluggish and kind of limp along for years? No. Nobody could have predicted what happened in the last few years. I can just tell you that there's a core economic principle known as reversion to mean. And when you way outrun people's ability to afford something, the market kind of stalls out. And that's where you get. That's what happened with used cars recently. You know, used car prices were going up, 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 and away to the point that we hit this wall of price resistance. And now used vehicle prices are actually declining. Has the supply of new vehicles come back to life? Not yet, but we still stalled out on used vehicle purchases and used vehicle prices. That's why Carvana is in such uh, financial difficulty right now, because they ramped up for an ever-expanding market that suddenly isn't expanding. So this kind of thing is more likely than not with the house market. So this is hard, because I've told you, if you buy a home under these conditions, I want you to own it for 10 years or longer, with the intention of owning it 10 years or longer, because it's... Likely or more likely than not, that values are going to stall out this decade, not, not decline at any precipitous rate, but they're going to stall out. So your ownership cycle needs to be long because of the cost buying in, the cost selling out is such a huge percent of the value of the home. You throw into the mix an arm on top of it, bad ugly. And so please be very cautious taking out an arm, a 5-1 arm. Um, I got a solicitation from one of the credit unions I'm a member of offering an arm that sets after the five years at another rate for the remaining term of the loan. And that didn't make me feel any better Mm -hmm. because then whatever mortgage rates are long-term, five years from now, who in the world can predict that? Because again, historically mortgage rates have been much, much higher than they've been lately. Remember why mortgage rates have been so low. The Federal Reserve has pumped in trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars into debt markets, artificially holding down rates. As the Federal Reserve tries to overcome the mistakes they made by flooding the market with too much money, that means the government-provided subsidy Of mortgage rates and other interest rates isn't going to be there anymore—at least not anywhere near as prominent as now. That's why expecting that rates are suddenly going to be much better in five years possible because these things are impossible to predict with certainty. So you play the odds, and the odds are that you go ahead and you lock in a fixed rate, and then if rates do go down, what do you do? you refi Krista has refied so many times over <laughs> your homeownership lifetime that all the mortgage brokers know who you are
0: <laughs> That's just not by true. your phone number, but I have refied. We've been in this house eight years and I've refied it twice. So oh, only twice mm, this house, but you I know, I've lived in more. a lot of different, no, just okay. twice. <laughs> Cause right. the rates
1: kept going down.
0: Yeah. I mean, I had a great rate before it was like but when i saw that 1.875 i just could not resist we got very lucky that's
1: become your forever home
0: uh which it was
1: not before
0: yeah you don't want to sell this house like hopefully we could if we didn't want to live in it we could rent it out one day we'll see All right, let's go to some questions. This is from Nick in Tennessee. I was approved by my mortgage lender to purchase a second home. I need additional funds to make my second home purchase, and I was going to use some of my contributions from my Roth IRA account, not the earnings. But after I sell my current first home, I wanted to replace the borrowed funds back into either the original Roth or another retirement account with similar tax advantages. Any suggestions? I max out my contributions to both mine and my wife's Roth IRAs every year. Thank you, Mr. Howard. Just kidding, Clark.
1: Okay. Uh, If you're not familiar with the joke, I like to just be called Clark, and that's why people will say Mr. Howard, just to needle me. All right. So if you pull the money out of the Roth, you have 60 days to put it back into a Roth somewhere else. And if you're not selling your home in that short a window, then it is a withdrawal from the account. It would be tax free if you only pull out contributions. But you can you're still maxed out on what you can put into the Roth each year at, depending on your age, six or seven thousand dollars. You're already maxing out the Roth as you are. So that money just will no longer be building in a retirement account. You did not mention any access to a 401k. If you're working somewhere where you have a 401k, as an alternative, you could, in the situation you're in, borrow from the 401k at most employers. I know there's long-term consequences to that, but they're not as bad as losing the opportunity of having that money, the opportunity cost of not having that money in your Roth IRA being able to grow over the years.
0: But normally you hate 401k loans.
1: I hate 401k loans, but given a choice in this (laughs) circumstance, if you really need access to the cash till you sell the first home, that you're buying the second home, and then you'll have money a lot after you sell the first home, the only way I know to, to deal with that bridge situation is to borrow from a 401k would be a less upsetting option to me than taking money out of your Roth IRA. Again, it is tax-free to do it the way you're going to do it, but you lose the years of growth that money would have going forward. The alternative, if you do take the money out of the Roth IRA, do the next best option, which would be when you can refund that amount of money, put it into something like a total stock market index fund, In a taxable account, it will no longer be tax free money, but it'll be very favorably treated relative to other things you could do with the money.
0: And this is from Russell in New Mexico. Clark answered a question about paying down a mortgage early. His answer was based on the rate of inflation and the psychological value. I've been following what Bob Brinker said many years ago on his radio show, which is to pay down the mortgage when the rate of the 30 year U.S. Treasury bond is higher than your mortgage rate.
1: So, it's been a long time since the 30 year Treasury has been at a rate where you have savings opportunities superior to paying down on a mortgage. Reference the prior conversation about the Federal Reserve manipulating the interest rates that it influences. We are in this new inflationary era. Don't know how long it's going to go on. We are in a position where potentially you could put money into long-term things like treasuries and earn more than you could on what you'd be paying on the mortgage. And there's no risk of losing principal in that case if you hold the bond till it's full maturity. So yes, that's a traditional strategy where you judge whether it's worth it to take a dollar towards paying down a mortgage or take a dollar and putting it into savings or CDs or treasuries or whatever. And for the first time in a generation, I guess, we're going back to a circumstance where that might be a good way to make that decision.
0: From Deborah in Massachusetts, I'm getting a HELOC in order to renovate my bathroom. Because of the value of homes that have gone up so much in my area, I would be able to get a HELOC for quite a bit more money than I need for this project. Does it make sense to take as much as they'll give? I know I don't have to spend it all, it can just sit there unused. Or is there a downside to taking more than I need? I'm thinking that because of the value of my house could go down, this might be a rare moment that I could have access to that much money, just in case I need it in the future. Or maybe I shouldn't because it'll hurt my credit or some other reason. Any guns you can provide, I would greatly appreciate. So,
1: yeah. So, if you're taking out a HELOC to do the renovation, the bathroom reno, and you're told you qualify for this much HELOC, you should take out what you're being offered. Because remember, you you only pull out what you need. Because a lot of times a bathroom or kitchen reno goes over budget. And so... You brought up a good point that you have standby credit available. If something happens in your life, there would be an emergency, but you may really need more available credit just because there could be an oops when they get involved in doing the bathroom renovation. So I would take the larger credit line. But there's something else I was thinking about as well, Deborah. How long will it take you to pay off the HELOC? At a time of rising interest rates, you may be better off taking out something that generally is only available at credit unions in most areas, and that is a home equity loan rather than a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit. Because the HELOC is a floating rate, the loan is a fixed rate. If you can pay off the bathroom reno in five years, usually a credit union provided home equity loan will be a better choice because the HELOC can go up every 30 days in rates at a time of rising interest rates. The home equity loan, once issued and fixed for that five-year period, you know what rate you're going to pay. So, Kristy, you were looking at what a credit union's charging on the home equity. What's the five-year?
0: The second... Mortgage five-year is
1: 6.375%. 6.375, which for a second in today's conditions is not bad. The HELOC, remember, floats. Whatever they offer you initially, whether it's 4%, 5%, or whatever, because it can change continually, being in the fixed five-year is a preference I have. And again, it depends on the credit union you go to, what they're offering right now as a fixed-rate five-year, and it does vary by as much as a point and a half from credit union to credit union, what they'll offer you on a five-year fixed-rate home equity loan. And I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for listening. And know that if you need very specific one-on-one advice, we have that for you. 30 hours each week for free, something we've been doing for nearly 30 years, 30 hours a week for nearly 30 years. You can see how to get free one-on-one advice from us if you go to Clark.com CAC.